to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. number 22 with Ian K. Welcome to Thrive Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and business coach, and I've decided to bring on other successful entrepreneurs to share their story and how they're helping others to thrive. Today, my guest is Ian K, finance, business coach, CFO, and trainer with over 25 years of business experience. For most business owners, learning the fundamentals of finance, accounting, and business planning can be a bit tough and really struggle with that. And Ian focuses on helping business owners take the boring out of their business and make it exciting. He also specializes in helping individuals remove the fear of public speaking and communicate effectively. Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm excited to have you on today. And I want to you know, mention that you are in a really great spot as far as the pieces of your business that you're building and the journey that you're in. And I think that your story is going to be powerful for those people that are also transitioning and and creating new businesses and in addition to some of the other things that they do. So you started out training in a large accounting firm and now you've transitioned some to becoming a coach. Why did you want to become one and how did that transition take place? Great question. So you're correct. I did originally train with uh, one of the big four firm of accountants and had a long accounting career, did an MBA, all those kind of things. And then in more recent years, I've sort of transitioned slowly but surely into what I suppose you'd call portfolio career. So I'm still, as you kindly said at the outset, the CFO of a medtech business. It's a medtech startup. Very experienced board, but it is a, a startup with a really technical piece of kit for the medical world. But also, as you've rightly said, I transitioned to do more coaching and training. So I probably about 20 years ago, originally, I read some things and went on an introductory weekend around NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And subsequently, I've read I don't know how many books on the subject. And then in 2014, it, it just came to my attention again. And I took it much more seriously, did my first practitioner call for one of the founders, actually flew from the UK to Spain. And it's just gone on from there. I've become very passionate about the subject of NLP. And I'm still passionate about the subject of business. So I'm trying slowly but surely uh, to bring the two together. Sounds great. So in walking through your journey now, um, what are you grateful for? Well, most recently, I'm grateful for the the opportunity of, of being able to craft into that portfolio career. Because in recent years, I've really at times been away for about 10 weeks during the year to do trainings. Uh, and I realized not everybody can do that. Frankly, it's not cheap if you're investing in yourself. Uh, and B, it's you meet so many people and it's such a, a joy to learn. If you're doing something that you enjoy so much and you can do it as much as I have, it sounds perhaps a bit cheesy, but it's really a, like a blessing. It puts so much time in to learn with that. I've gone to trainer level with two of the three founders of NLP. So it's been really a, a joy and I'm, I'm pushing that forward more and more. And it, I think it will, well, not I think, I know it will help on the, the other aspects of teaching people business fundamentals as well. So let me ask you this. What are, what are you most passionate about around NLP? Like what, what about it excites you? It's the impact you have on people. I just remember one example watching somebody that had been a smoker their whole life. This, so this is really about NLP could be used yeah. for many things. It started off as the, as the study of excellence back in the 1970s. The founders modeled, we called, they called it modeled, really, I suppose it was copying and deeply analyzed a whole bunch of, of therapists. 
and asked the question, why are some far more successful than others? And so it became known as, to a certain degree, the study of excellence. And so from that are a whole series of tools and techniques that you can use that really enable somebody to go from A to B in a very efficient way. And I remember being on that first, even that course 20 odd years ago, and now I'm exaggerating, about 15, 16 years ago, we just worked on one main exercise of how people can perceive the world from a different position. We called it perceptual positions. And it's just coaching somebody through the process of seeing a situation with another person from different positions. Very powerful, really simple to explain and immensely powerful result. So when you get that kind of feedback, when you start to study something and work with people and you get that kind of feedback where you're making changes for them, it just inspires you to carry on. Some of the, the results I've had recently of uh, coaching people so that they get through what we call their limiting beliefs and helping them understand that they've held a certain belief for decades. And really, that's not an exaggeration. I've worked with numerous people in the last year or so where we've got grown adults, even in their 50s, going back to making them remember things that happened at school. Some unpleasant things, I have to say, uh, but where they just go, ah, that's where that comes from. That's where that belief comes from. I wish I could give the lady a full credit. I heard a saying recently, and I really apologize. I can't remember her name, which isn't useful. And she said, we make our beliefs and then our beliefs make us. And with NLP, you have a, a lovely skill set on language structure and things like that that enable you to work with somebody to understand where their belief, what their beliefs are and where they've come from. And some people might listen to this and go, well, I know I believe in X, Y, Z. It's the stuff that's in your unconscious that you don't realize, that this, the self-talk that you have that maybe, for example, makes somebody very nervous to stand up in front of a group of people. But what precisely are the messages you're telling yourself when you go to do that? And therefore, where did that come from? Where, where did that belief start? And is it still relevant today? I've gone into a specific detail here. You asked me what it is that I, I like the most. It's that stuff where you really help either one-to-one -one or one-to-many for people to make a change in their life for the better. That's really good because a lot of people think that their thoughts or what they believe are a thought. And it is a thought in a way, but like you said, it's, an, it's the, the subconscious. You don't necessarily think, oh, logically, I'm thinking X, Y, Z, but you are, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's yeah, your subconscious we, we, and you're just operating it as autopilot and you have no idea that you really are thinking certain things until you start to really dive in and, and discover what you're actually thinking. Yeah. And what you're touching on is also patterns of behavior. People tell themselves things, so they do it. You even hear, um, I don't know if this will carry across directly in the States if you hear this kind of phrase where... But someone might say, you know what I'm like. They've got this whole pattern of behavior. Oh, of course it's me. It's going to go wrong. Well, no. <laughs> why would it go wrong? Let's talk about it sensibly. Where, when did you first tell yourself that? And why do you keep saying it? And obviously saying why isn't the answer. You work with them in different ways and get them to do the, I'm just saying it very yeah. bluntly to you for this conversation, but it, it's quite a subtle process. People have, there are beliefs and then there are patterns of behavior and you can work on the beliefs, which then allows them to change the patterns of behavior. So in building your coaching business now, what was your intention when you decided to create this? To follow up on what I've just said, to be honest, it's, it's the intention is to have the impact that I'm talking about, either to coach people one-to-one -one and let them have the breakthroughs and be the better them, or one-to-many teaching communication skills. There's such a plethora of tools and techniques that are useful to the business world from NLP. On the NLP training side of things, of what I'm starting to do, that's where I'm focusing. And really, in my case, the coaching, I, I'm either coaching 
uh, aiming to coach uh, sort of finance director type level people or want people that want to get there or business owners. So if a finance director can be a business owner, they may run their own accounting practice and have staff, but it's for people to understand the communication skills from NLP and so to deal with their clients better or their colleague, or of course on the coaching of the a business owner. I think we were talking just before we went live, I coached somebody recently that's setting up a third business and it's just uh, to coach them through a process on the mindset stuff as well as I can be a sounding board on the, on the actual business things as well because of my own background. That's great. So when it comes to setting up a business, are there some ways that you're able to make that easier for people to help them propel their business? For some of those that are like maybe starting out and they really don't have that foundation yet or they don't even know what the foundation is, they're overwhelmed with it, or those that actually have an established business but maybe they haven't necessarily fine-tuned these areas, what are some ways that you've been able to help make that process easier? So I appreciate that a lot. Uh, I've set something up online and that is it's ongoing, but absolutely live and currently free, I should say. So that's always appealing to people. And I should also confess from the start where I'm having the pleasure of interacting with you. When they go to this website I'm about to reference, they'll see me in absolutely in large corporate mode, I've been told. So I apologize. It's probably better for people that are uh, what we call the, the more left brainers uh, to use the traditional language. But I ideally, I think my avatar should be the right brainers. So I, I've got some marketing for my own business to do and some things to look at. However, to answer the question, if, if people are interested that, and they want to see the, the lessons which cover the fund, how to write a business plan, uh, how to set up budgets and forecasts and why they're important. Likewise, for cash flow forecasts, fundamentals of finance and indeed the fundamentals of accounting itself, literally how to set up your accounting records. So what I call the absolute business fundamentals, I've set up a, a website called Boring Business, which can be found at boringbusiness.co.uk. It wasn't meant to be literal. So the way I've taught some of the things, it may come across like that, uh, which I apologize for wholeheartedly because I tend to think I'm hilarious. And so I don't think, I'm not sure it is hilarious. Uh, however, um, what I'm hoping to do with the future, in case this is appealing to any of your listeners, perhaps they can let me know, is also do a live version maybe over the course of six weeks or something people can do homework and then come back to me in a group setting and they can have more one-to-one -one interaction okay awesome and if people visit your website and send their email via contact us you can notify them of when you're going to launch the live version absolutely you're correct that they can use the contact at boringbusiness.co.uk for sure if people want to reach out uh, because they like the idea of getting some live interaction, I'm very happy to update them when that is going okay. to happen. So there's a lot of listeners that have businesses with physical products. How could yes. you help them to better forecast their profits? A great question and a very sensible thing to be trying to do. I'll tell you a funny story. I was speaking to a lady recently and she was setting up for the first time, a lot of experience as a marketeer, funnily enough. But she was setting up for the first time as a consultant. And my answer doesn't change, by the way, as to what I'm about to say. So that is a service, not a product. And I'll come back to what you said. And she said to me, but Ian, but how do I set a budget? And so me going into what I think is funny mode, you know, pretend I, it's a secret. The secret is that you guess. No one's expected to be psychic. When it's a brand new business, it's very difficult to know precisely how many you're going to sell. But at least if you make your best estimate of what effort you're going to be able to put in, how many people you think you're going to be able to contact, and therefore some idea on how much you're going to sell, a budget can be kept very simple. 
I've been an accountant for many years, so I, I've set budgets for being employed or as a consultant from absolute startups through to large corporates or divisions of large, not for the whole business, but for divisions of large corporates, literally into the hundreds of millions. And honestly, the process doesn't change. It gets, there are more lines of detail. And of course, it can feel like it's more complicated because you've got departments feeding into departments into uh, the whole division. And that adds up to hundreds of millions. And there are multiple people doing the same thing. So it all feeds up and gets consolidated so that the big cheeses can look at the numbers. But by the time one person is doing their bit, it stays the same. So what does stays the same mean? You really are taking the time to say, okay, how many do I think I'm going to sell? And if it, let's stick with the example you said, a physical product. So let's imagine your, give me an example, a product that you know that's one of your clients. Uh, okay, so maybe they sell like um, a kitchen, kitchen utensil, some, some sort of kitchen thing. Amazing. So they're selling a kitchen utensil. That if they've had some sales before, then it gives them some indication as to how many they might sell in the future based on the efforts that they put in. So you had inputs, i.e. marketing spend, made phone calls, set up a website. And you're either going to do the same going forward, and therefore you might expect a similar result, or you're going to make some changes. So when you set up a budget, if you imagine literally on good old Excel spreadsheet, you might have one line for sales and across the top all the months of the year. And in a given month, how many do you think you're going to sell? So you think you're going to sell 10 of your product, a kitchen utensil that sells for $10. So if you think you're going to sell 10 in a month, then you're going to have $100, 10 times 10. Likewise, it's not just what you're selling, that's the sales revenue, that's the income, but you're also going to have expenses. So how much does it cost you to buy or make the utensil? And what are your fixed costs? So then you're at a point of you've got revenues, expenses associated directly with selling the good, i.e. you perhaps had to buy the good from somewhere else or make it. And then you've got the fixed costs of your business, whether it's insurance or a premises or running a motor vehicle, whatever it is. And then you you map out these costs through the year. And you, you then also know, okay, in March, I know I'm doing a marketing campaign. I don't know how effective it's going to be, but because of my business experience, I think I'm going to sell twice as many. So then from April, you're selling 20 instead of 10. So once again, your sales revenue becomes 200 instead of 100. Uh, you've got some marketing spend as well as your expenses. And that is the fundamentals of budgeting. That is really the, what I would call the, call it the bottom-up way of doing budgeting, and it's the best way to do it. You look expense by expense, revenue by revenue in your business and say, how much do I think that's going to be? And of course, what happens over time, you have this thing called experience, which means you can make a more accurate budget and forecast. I think that's really good. And one thing I know that there's some people that are listening that they focus on Amazon because I do help people start products on that. Yep. And there's a tool called Jungle Scout where you, you can go out and you can find all of the data on what's currently selling, what the revenue is, how many they're selling in a month, the competition, if you, if you compete. What's interesting about what you were saying about how you can forecast, I think that First of yeah. all, there's a lot of people that don't do that work where they sit down, they write out their budget and forecast what they could possibly make on this product, but they base it on what everyone else is, the performance everyone else has. But we don't necessarily have a view of, like you said, your experience in promoting your product, your budget for your marketing, 
and all these other aspects. Shipping costs would be a big one for that. If you're selling a $10 utensil, A, you've got to buy the utensil. I keep on saying I assume that you're not a manufacturer because that's another whole level of complexity. But if you're selling utensils, you have to buy the utensil. That's a cost. And you have to ship it to your client. Someone has to pay for the shipping. Either you're billing it on. Okay, that's part of your revenue then. And they'll cancel each other out. You'll get that back. Or you've got to absorb that cost. So that goes against your revenue, which means your profits are lower. And it means if you if you were aiming for a certain amount of profit for very obvious reasons, then uh, that's going to impact on that. So I want to talk a little bit about the NLP and how it integrates with your business coaching in finance. Why did you feel that that was important specifically for the services that you help? And what ways does it help, say, a somebody that wants to become an expert, a high-level executive, or just really excel in their business in that area? Great question. Um, I'll, I'll answer it with a, another little example of a conversation I had previously. I was coming back from a different kind of training, and I was speaking to a lady that was immensely experienced in acupuncture for women. Very, very experienced. I think decades of experience. And she gave a beautiful summary of NLP. She said, if our experience, so I'm an uh, accountant, a business consultant person, if it was a cake of experience when you've done something for 25 years, the NLP is, a, is like the sprinkles on top that just makes the cake particularly delicious or can make things more effective. So that what I love about NLP is, is the stuff I said earlier about how you can impact on somebody else and help them get from A to B. And it, it really is a superb set of tools and techniques that if, if it is a business person and, for example, if they've got some doubts, maybe they don't want to do some public speaking and they can't or they can't, or just about setting goals and help holding them to account. There's a process in uh, NLP called well-formed outcomes, which is, I'm sure you're familiar with smart goals, making something specific, measurable, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's like that with bells on. That's one small element of it. It's, it's making somebody associate to the future or making them, encouraging them and talking them through and coaching them to associate to the future so they see, hear and feel how things will be when they achieve their goal. And it, it, it's actually what you hear sports people, you know, top level sports people associating to. They've already envisaged themselves crossing the line first or lifting the trophy. Uh, likewise, by the way, I was had a I spoke to a potential client earlier today, two two three hours ago. I'm saying, tell me a top sportsman that doesn't have a coach. It's very interesting in business. We very rarely have a coach. I only took a coach myself in recent years. In all honesty, I I'd never had a coach at all. It was so effective. I set out a series of of goals with that person and just i think maybe it's just the idea of being held accountable it's just very effective and having nlp as part of your tool set to coach somebody is for all the reasons i've said previously is is very effective let's go into some of the other ways that you help people and one of those areas is overcoming the fear of public speaking you know you mentioned a little bit about the thought process that some people go through and why they're afraid and if somebody is out there listening right now and they're, they're like, you know, I can't even get up in front of an audience without yeah. freaking out. What's a piece of advice that you would give them or how do you generally help somebody overcome? For someone that's going to try and solve it by themselves, there's something called chain of excellence. It talks about the fact that your breathing impacts on your physiology, which impacts on your state, which impacts on your performance. As simple as that sounds, very true. 
if you you know if you see a unfortunately see a depressed person that they're, they're hardly standing up with their shoulders back and smiling and happy to see everyone they're depressed and that's really unfortunate the point is that if you change someone's breathing to become calm deep measured that affects the physiology the shoulders go back you're standing upright you're already feeling better about the world that impacts your state and the state impacts on the performance so if if someone was to do anything by themselves, I would probably stick to that very basic principle to try to think about controlling their breathing, being aware of the basics of body language, how they're holding their structure and things like that. If it literally if I was to say one thing that, that someone uh, was to do by themselves, when they're being coached one-to-one, that's a whole different story. It's, it's a dialogue. And you start by saying, okay, I'm going to get you a gig tomorrow to stand up and talk what do you start telling yourself? And then over a period of time, it can be very quick. In the group that we met, there was somebody in that group that had written a book. And actually, I still haven't got around to reading the book. But as a thank you, she very kindly sent me an e-copy. And I just gave her a one-to-one over Skype. And again, I, I'm too old and too ugly to guess a lady's age. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to say she was experienced. And I have no idea how old she was. Uh, but uh, she had experience. And smart enough to write a great book, was very comfortable talking about it one-to-one, petrified to go and give a presentation, even though the book stands up on itself. And in one 40-odd minute session, what did it go back to? Stuff at school. Interesting. 30 plus years before, started to remember and you say, okay, when is the first time you told yourself that? Was it yesterday? If it was yesterday, we probably got a very quick thing just to shake them a bit and on they go. It's never yesterday. It's years ago. And then, so what you start to do is help somebody realize what their beliefs are. Are they... recognize that those beliefs were relevant and protected you at the time and 30 years later when you've still carried them with you and you're somewhere in the back of your mind you've long since forgotten your teacher says sit down you fool you realize that you've achieved so many things had so much so many successes that you could be focusing on but you're not somewhere in your unconscious you're focusing on that a parent said this an older brother said that a teacher did this and they became your belief you make your beliefs and then your beliefs make you. And so you work through that on a one-to-one basis. If somebody's listening to this and, they, and they're quite good at taking a fresh step back, they can ask themselves, what's the internal dialogue I'm saying when I go to think about I'm going to give a, a talk? And by the way, the same thing applies across our lives. I, I coached somebody over a few sessions that had a, and this is really immensely personal. I coached a guy, again, I've clearly got a problem about judging ages, but I think he was late 20s, mid to late 20s. And he told me he'd never had a relationship, or if he gets into one, in his words, I destroy them very quickly. Quite a harsh word. They were the words he used. Very rapidly, we established that his frame of reference for relationships were his parents and his grandparents that, yes, had stayed together a long time, but they argue all the time. So what belief had he created? He'd created a belief that if you're in a relationship, it's immensely unpleasant. Why would then, why would you let a relationship take place? <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's funny to s- summarize it in 20 seconds. I can't remember. We may have worked together in a, the original session, again, 30, 40, 50 minutes. And literally his mouth fell open. When we got to that point, he, it just his life went, hang on a second. Because you see it, you know, there's something in NLP called calibration, where you're, you're looking for physiological changes in someone, breathing patterns, skin tone, et cetera, et cetera. It was a very blunt, literally mouth fell open. Oh, my goodness, that's what I've been doing. And then 
you set somebody tasks like any other type of coaching you set homework or home play and we work through things it's a very sweet outcome when he's he sent me a message a couple of weeks later that he'd <laughs> been out for the evening left with two phone numbers and then wrote but i'm not sure i'm in love yet <laughs> it's a start my answer was that's fantastic news maybe go on a second date <laughs> yeah, right. that's awesome so what are some yeah. of the um some of the other struggles you've been able to help business owners overcome uh, well generally when i've done coaching it's not i'm telling you some of the more dramatic stories but when you coach somebody often whilst these things from the past might come up generally is just a very steady I know I want to get over here. How do I do that? Let's set up goals and very clear tasks, et cetera, et cetera. And you coach somebody through it. It's on, a, you know, over several months. Uh, and it's about holding somebody to account, making sure that they're focused, making sure that they um, understand what the next steps are. And, and it's what they set up. It's not me saying, here are your next steps. It's, you, you will task somebody to do something for them to have a breakthrough in an area or make sure they're getting to where they want to go. But generally, I, I'm sure you found the same. When you coach someone, it's it's about helping them to be the better them yeah. uh, and and achieve the goals that they want to achieve. And sometimes if there are barriers, then having these other, these extra tools and techniques in your rucksack, as it were, it's um, your, your coaching rucksack. It's just immensely useful. I think that's really good because it makes me think of some of the individuals that I've coached that want to start their own business doing a private label. But it's the fear and the doubt that stops them. They have all of the strategy, all of the how-to, every single tool that they possibly need to be successful from a strategic business point of view. But then when it comes to actually executing, it's absolutely the fear. And it's a consistent. So if you're listening and you are in that position, Ian is somebody that you want to reach out to for that, definitely. <laughs> Very kind. <laughs> and, it, you know... It What's fascinating to me is we all obviously have, by definition, life experience. And it's a massive difference if you've been lucky enough to grow up with loving parents or if you haven't, if you had good teachers or if you didn't, if you had siblings that you got on with or you didn't, if you had supportive friends or you didn't. But the nice thing is that whatever baggage we carry with us till today, whatever happened in the past, if you've got the skills and the focus and the intention today to make a difference, you can. I, I help a um, an amazing women's charity. It's I, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before. Uh, I mean, really, that I I could not have more respect for a group of people than what I'm about to tell you. And it's a pretty heavy subject, so we don't have to dwell on it. But only to say that this is a pretty extreme past. I I help a charity. I have done for must be about six years now there's a program in the summer and there's some mentoring and i was a trustee at one point and it's i'm building this up because the subject is they are survivors of trafficking it's women that have survived trafficking trafficking or other violent situations i just got an email update in the last few days of one of the women had a by the end of this small summer program that is from a is supported by a major university in london which is amazing that they give their resources I remember from a few years ago, I do distinctly remember the lady, she wanted to recycle jewelry to people that were throwing things away. And she's just finished, imagine what she's been through. And I just got an update that she's just finished a, a degree to do with textiles and jewelry making and things like that. She's absolutely, imagine that past, and she's still setting goals and achieving them without having a mindset that says that you can't. And I, you know, everything is relative. If I hear somebody moaning, my normal thing is I'll say, you want to hear life put life in perspective just watch the news for 10 minutes 
you know, what's going on in Syria? What's so everything? Not that someone else having a bad life means that your badness is okay, but that anybody can move forward from anything. Sometimes things are a bit more permanent, but the vast majority of cases, just carrying all the weight of the past with you is pointless. Totally pointless. It is. I see so many people that do. They they know what their issue is. They know that there's a solution. That they know that they can overcome it or change, but they sit there and they don't do anything. You know, there's so much more that they could get out of life. There's so much more that they could be doing. And this might be useful for some of your listeners. A very simple thing. If you do know people like that, one of the, I mean, this is a, a, there could be all sorts of things at play there. But one of the things to look at is how they're talking about setting your goals. So a tiny little thing, some people are motivated towards things and some people are motivated away from things. I don't want to be lazy or I really want to be fit and healthy. Some just are determined not to be labeled as lazy and so it gets them to do stuff. And some people are more motivated towards things. We talk about towards, I, I want to be fit, I want to be able to run 5Ks in 25 minutes uh, standard with, you know, w- with no warning at all. And for people to be aware of what their preferences are is one thing. If they find themselves saying, I don't want to be X and they're not doing things, try to set goals in the positive way. What do you want, not what don't you want? That's another little tip that might be useful. Set goals for what you do want, not what you don't want. Focus on the positive going forwards, not what you want to leave behind. That's really good. I, You know, I used to ask myself every single day, what do I want? That was the ongoing record in my head. What do I want? What do I want? But it was giving me anxiety. I could never answer the question. And I remember going That's to my doctor because he was he's a chiropractor, naturopath, and uh, he he was like, boy, you're stressed out. Like, what's the deal? <laughs> and he's like, what are you asking yourself every day? I'm like, well, what do I want? And he's like, you need to start asking yourself what you don't want. Because it's far easier for you to discover what you don't want versus what you do want. As I say, people have motivations in different yeah. ways. So in your case, if, if you were you were trying to be positive, 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 and he recognized something that you that said, okay, what do you want to be away from? Yeah. And then you know which direction yeah, you can go Yeah, absolutely. In. So that's absolutely true. And it, it got rid of all the anxiety. Because I'm like, well, I know what I don't want. <laughs> yeah. There's also something called... Um, you know, I said there are three founders of NLP, and I've been lucky to, uh, to train with two of them. One of them is John Grinder. He's a remarkable human being. And he's set up something called New Code NLP, which in essence is a, a series of games that people can play. And you can just play one, which changes the state, puts you in a high performance state very quickly. And if you were my client in that situation, I would have probably had a lot of fun playing one of those games. You're thinking about a situation, you go away and you play the game, you go back to the situation in a high performance state. It gives you a remarkable insight. Really incredible. I've seen it again and again. Really cool. I want to ask you if you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out as an entrepreneur and coach, what would it be? You know what? I'm still trying to take the advice. And I remember somebody said something to me once, which has stuck with me, and it's regarding taking action. It's so funny that you just said what you just said, because this is my honest answer. It's about, I think a lot of us, and I put myself in this bracket and might surprise some people that know me quite well, that I, I still feel like I procrastinate too much. And it's, about, it's just take action, step out there, see what happens, have an interview with Amy and see how it goes, do stuff. You can, you can sit and plan for forever. And I, 
I'm not now going to knock all my accounting background and budgeting and forecasting and setting out business plans. They are sensible, but at some point you have to take action and you just have to get out there, ask somebody's opinion, try to sell something, test the market, do something. And that would be the advice, take action. You don't have to have everything 100%, which by the way, when some people label themselves as perfectionists and everything needs to be perfect, it's a wonderful excuse. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I leave you with that thought. It's uh, the same thing. It's, you know, what did somebody tell you how long ago about something? So therefore you're gonna have more qualifications and more this and more that and still not do anything over here. Whereas the person that's a bit lighter with themselves I've just got on and now they've got 35 clients and you're still figuring out your perfect product. Yeah, it's so true. So that one bit of advice that I'm still trying to take, honestly, is take action. Sensibly measured, yes, but take action. You know, I always say when I'm talking to somebody that, especially some people that want to be coaches, you know, I'll get some people that are like, oh, I want to start a coaching business. And they instantly want to know all the training courses and programs and certifications they need to get. And how true is it that most people just want you to be able to give them results? If you can produce results for somebody, then guess what? You're a successful coach. And all the certifications and everything are great to have and they, they help, but you know, you become a better coach and they help you grow and, and they help with, you know, just credentials in general but they do not necessarily yep. produce the results. So, you know, right. it's, it's uh, you know, we sometimes focus on the, the things that, um, that don't matter. You know, even in the business, you know, setting up a business, we focus on our business cards versus the action. I agree with you. I, I totally agree. Qualifications can help, but it doesn't mean that you're better than the person next to you that, as I said, now has 35 clients and didn't go for the 32nd uh, qualification with the uh, 94 sets of letters after their name. They're just helping people and it's going well. They love it. Their clients are happy. Yeah, I, I agree. So if you're listening, I want to mention Ian has three different websites and I will also put this on my website. You can visit <laughs> him at iank.com, business. Dot co dot uk is where you can find all of his online business training that's for free. And then he also has a website called nlp-impact.com and you can find out more about his NLP coaching specifically. Yeah, that's correct. I, I'm going to be adding more and more content to the uh, NLP Impact, writing more articles that is really just starting to be built up. But it does mention some of the coaching possibilities if people are interested. And I'm very happy for people to reach out and ask candid questions if they think something has resonated with them. Ian, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been a great conversation. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that really can resonate with a lot of the information that you've provided today. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you very much. And um, if you're listening, I want to thank you for tuning in. This is Amy Montgomery with Thrive Radio. If you want more information about our podcast, you can go to a, a calltothrive.com. Thank you everyone for listening and have a wonderful week.